Juggling podcast number 47, avoiding technical problems when performing. Hello and welcome, my name's Luke Burridge and this is the uh, Juggling Podcast and this week there is no Paula Brenda sitting next to me. She is actually at home here at the moment but she's very busy doing artwork and bits and pieces like that and uh, as this uh, podcast is going to be mainly kind of a, a workshop podcast uh, we decided I'd just do it by myself and just go through the notes. Um, sorry that there's not been a podcast for the last few weeks. Um, I was away for a few weeks uh, performing um, on a cruise ship and, and didn't really have anything to uh, talk about. I've oh, got obviously lots of things to talk about, but uh, didn't record any uh, juggling podcasts while I was away. And then when I come back, um, as I was getting on the plane, I thought, oh, I'm not feeling a bit well. And then I had like the worst flight of my life and I got off it with like a really bad throat and um, croaky, like swollen tonsils and stuff like that. So for about a week, I couldn't really breathe properly, let alone speak. And each time I was speaking, it was very painful. I was coughing all the time. So I decided not to bother recording a podcast. And also, again, we've been very busy. Um, I'm re- like practicing um, a, a new show, a new act with some guys, and we're going to be performing that soon. Um, and also, um, I've been organizing stuff for the British Young Juggler of the Year and for the EJC and lots of other bits and pieces. So uh, thanks for the feedback from last week's episode. It seems like the best thing is not to use the inbuilt microphone on the uh, on the MacBook and instead use a microphone, which is what I'm doing now, obviously. So oh yeah, and another thing that I found actually on the uh, on the BJC Facebook group, um, I found the following post. It's talking about the uh, the public show, and someone called Connor McLeod said slightly off topic, but things I don't want to see in the public show include. Some interesting ideas. He says, uh, people just doing their street act. He says, street acts don't translate well to the stage. Plus, a lot of us have seen those acts at places like Bristol. Um, And he says, uh, people who just decide to do poi uh, when everyone wants to see them juggle. And then it says, people people too arrogant to treat the audience with any respect. Um, He says, yes, I have seen more shows than just last year's BJC show. uh, Because the list also includes Luke Burridge. And so he's actually put down my name as things that he doesn't want to see in a public show. He says, yep, I'm polite enough not to name those others. You all know who I mean, though. But Luke's get a special mention all of his own. So uh, there you go. A uh, a post saying that they don't want to see me in the BJC public show. Well, uh, I'm not giving any promises that I'm not going to be in the show this year. Um Anyway, so but I am going to the British Juggling Convention, and as I said before, I'm hosting and organising the uh, the British Young Juggler of the Year show. In fact, I'm still not sure if I'm going to be hosting it yet. Still looking for uh, someone to host it so I can do a bit more backstage organising. And that's what I've been doing a lot of this past week is um, getting together like the list of names of who's performing and uh, seeing uh, the order and sending out lots of advice to um, to the people taking part, to the young jugglers taking part in the British Young Juggler of the Year show. And as I was writing it, I was thinking, oh, I've, I've written lots of this. I was telling them what to do and like how to uh, how to you know do stuff with music and what to avoid on stage and what not to do and how to uh, how to ab- avoid panicking when making drops and things like that. Uh, and I, and I realised that a lot of these notes I'd actually written up before in a uh, in some notes for a longer workshop that I was going to do. I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago um, in the uh, workshop podcast that we did that I did with Matt Hall and I was saying that I was thinking of doing a a workshop at home and teach people about sort of like things about lots of things to do with performing and putting together an act 
one whole section of that actually there was quite a lot uh, quite a lot of this was how to avoid technical problems while performing and that's what I'm going to talk about now in this podcast really because I have made so many mistakes on stage, so many technical things have gone wrong in my shows and in my acts that I've ever done and uh, and I've learnt through all of them and now um, things still do go wrong but um, I can normally cope with it. The point of what this podcast is going to be about is this workshop. I'm going to go through these notes of uh, of avoiding mistakes that I've already made. So I've made the mistakes so you don't have to. That's the kind of thing. First up, I, I've mentioned this before, um, probably around about this time last year, and I talked about Murphy's Law, which is uh, um, really something to live by when you're performing on stage. And it goes like this. If there's two ways to do something and one ends in disaster somebody will do it the second way. So you should always design all technical aspects of your act so that there isn't an option. You know, if there's two ways to do something, the technical crew can only do it in the right way, or if they do it wrong, it doesn't end in disaster. Sod's law is something different, which means if something can go wrong, it will. And it will anyway. Um, so there's two things to that you should be thinking about here. So, first of all, some a mistake to uh, avoid when you're actually coming up with idea for act and actually choreographing it. First thing that you can do is decide to do something and then spend a long time working on it and going over it and over it and over it again and trying to make it better. The other way to do thing, do something is to spend a long time deciding things and workshopping things and trying things out and discussing and, and experimenting and consulting with other people and talking about it a lot. And then, once you've got all the good ideas, spend as little time as possible implementing it. And I've always found uh, that course A, deciding on something and then spending a lot of time doing it, it's, it's a good idea, but I've actually once decided to do something and I spent eight months working on an act. And because it was so technical and very difficult, I, uh, I've only ever performed it twice. Whereas the acts where I've spent a lot of time developing ideas and working on stuff, you know, we've performed it time and time again. Um, and it's better because you're always uh, you're spending more time thinking than practicing. Of course, you should spend a lot of time practicing and, and doing and developing, but uh, put the time in beforehand. Second point is always think of the audience. Um, and this is something that I've uh, tried to share and has been shared with me many times by lots of great performers, that you should always think of the audience. They're the most important person you know that's the only reason why you're there on stage performing because if it wasn't for the audience you'd just be practicing at home so always think about what appeals to your audience and that's a good way of of avoiding trouble as well and avoiding things that might not look good choreographing your act um avoid anything that's too low um, I've seen so many people at juggling conventions, they do a piece laying down on the floor or they sit down or they and do contact juggling, kneeling on the floor or they do stuff with their feet um, or they tap dance or uh, lots of stuff that's low down. The thing is, when you're p putting together an act, you might be thinking, oh, one day I'm going to be performing this on a circus stage where everyone can see from all angles or you're thinking I'm going to be performing in a big variety theatres and doing lots of stuff on stage on these big stage, which is true. But to get there, you will be performing on convention stages, you will be performing on open stages and lots of these little places, you know. And if you... If you don't have a good act to perform in small show in small spaces, the act won't be good by the time it gets to the the big stage. Or it might be, but the point is that you want people along the way. You want the audiences along way along the way to enjoy it just as much as uh, as the people who who see it on the perfect stage or the perfect setup. So avoid anything too low because people you know they'll just miss it down at the front also avoid anything too high again you might want to might want to work on these really big stages and large stages but before you get there of course you'll be performing on lots of small stages so 
just don't do anything with a like with a if you're doing clubs don't throw anything higher than a triple because if you're throwing triples or anything higher than that the chances are you'll be performing at conventions where it doesn't fit on the stage lots of conventions just take place in in universities or school halls and you're just on the school stage or university stage and they're not built for juggling shows um and even when you're performing professionally lots and lots of people you know lots of lots of acts just take place in um in nightclubs or in lounges rather than in big theaters uh, and I was talking to Chris Kramer about this and he was saying that you know he put together his act so well he didn't put together that his father developed this act and his whole family has been developing this act for years and years and years and it's perfect for performing on smaller stages and in lounges but he says it's not very good for performing in circuses because it's everything is straight to the front the cigar boxes and hats all just you know it's always just straight uh, front on but he can perform that in uh, in TV studios and he does you know and that's the kind of thing so don't do anything too high because you do restrict what you can actually do and what stages you work on uh, and if you if you want to do a high throw put somewhere in the show that you can do it if you want to because high throws look really cool if you've got places to do high throws also don't do anything too hard because you're not judged on your intent you're only judged by your actions you know and if you intend not to drop but you do you're going to be judged by your drops um so always try to sort of make your sort of behavior um you know, reflect your intentions. So you've got to work hard on that. I'm not going to talk about how to practice for not dropping. I'll do that in a uh, later podcast. Also, avoid anything that really conflicts with your image or your character. Because uh, I put together this 50-minute show for doing doing things on uh, on cruise ships. And at one point, I do this coat routine. Or I did do this coat routine. And I put on a jacket and I get tangled up in the jacket. And it looks good, you know, when I'm not wearing a very smart suit and a tuxedo and a bow tie. You know, I can get away with that kind of routine. But when I was actually trying to do it while wearing, you know, I take off my hat, you know, top hat and put on a jacket and like roll around on the floor looking stupid. It just didn't gel together with the rest of the image or character that I was portraying on stage. So now what I do, I don't do the coat routine in a 50 minute show. I do it in a second show. So if I'm on a cruise ship, I do it in, a, in the next routine as part of a 15 minute show. The audience already knows me by then. I don't dress up quite so smart. I just got a, I just got a, like a normal shirt on and black trousers rather than a whole suit and tuxedo. Um, and I've got a better introduction into it as as well so uh, it, it fits with the character that people know me by then but not when I first come out on stage and start rolling around um, something else that you should do is have a solid end to your act let people know that they should clap like now uh, and there's different ways to put big ends onto the routine you know with a big trick um, which is something like Anthony Gatto does he does seven clubs at the end and stops and people know that's there he even announces that he will now finally do this um, other people do like a smooth fast routine at the end say again back to Chris Cremo he does um, a very fast either he does a very fast hat routine um, he does the big tricks before then with the hats but he finishes with a very fast hat routine or with a cigar box routine you know very fast very slick um, but then sometimes he finishes with the big trick with the, the triple pirouette or the double pirouette like that um, certainly end with something solid uh so uh, make sure it's that. And that's why I finish my routines with a uh, a routine, with a, a short routine of easier stuff, which is fast. In the same way that um, Mario Beresek does it with, he, he does seven clubs and finishes with a fast um, three-club routine. That's the way that I like to end a routine too. So there's just some things about choreography and things to avoid, you know. Uh, let's move on to choosing and editing music. Don't just use random music. Here's the first thing, you know, make it reflect your character. And it should have plenty of variety. Don't make it too obscure and just like plodding along. Dun, 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 dun. Make it so, you know, the starts and stops in the music. Uh, and that means you can sort of choreograph much 
better to it and also the audience has a better time listening to like varying music um when you drop sod's law if something can go wrong it will you will drop on stage so make sure you can still work with the music even if you drop at a certain part so at the end of the uh, or part way through uh, mine and Polar's our art of juggling routine I do six clubs and at that point the music cuts out and it goes there's drum rolls going on it's all very dramatic if I hit the six clubs the audience applauds and even though the drum music is still going a bit um, they applaud over the transition whereas if I don't hit the trick I've always got a little bit of time I know that I've got another time, bit of time left over where the drum's still rolling you know that still music hasn't transitioned yet and i still got a chance to do it so whatever you do um, don't make a trick or like put it this way if you if you make a drop uh you don't want to run out of music this is the next point as well so if you make a drop take out another trick later on know your music well enough that you can just remove two difficult tricks later on or your other tricks later on to to time it back up to the music again so you actually end on the beat or end at the right place in the music or end before the music runs out because uh that's that's really bad as well. The worst thing to be happen is like you know you just standing there on stage and you're trying to get your last trick and the music is faded out and you're in silence. This is what's happened to me a few times. It's like the worst thing that can ever happen. So in our art of juggling routine, we actually have music that the sound technician fades out at the end. There's four tracks of music on on one on one track or there's four pieces of music on one track on the CD and we say leave it playing all the way through there's a stop don't fade it out when we stop juggling when I pretend that the act is finished don't fade it out only fade out when both of us are bowing at the at the front of the stage and it doesn't matter now because we've uh, we've really messed up with the end of it we've had the easel fall over we've had bits of paper fall off the uh, the easel where Polo is painting I've messed up the rings but the music is it just keeps going and it's up to the it's up to the sound technician to end the act in terms of music um and you know if the audience keeps clapping you know the music is there and if we come back up on stage the music can still be playing as well so when we bow there's still the music playing under the clapping as well so that's that's pretty cool so what happens at the end of the music if you run long do you want the sound technician to play the track again the first track again or do you want him to let it run into the next track you know, there's, these are questions that you have to ask when you give him the CD and you say, if the music, you know, stops before I finish on stage, press play on track two or press play on track number one again. Uh, and a good sound technician or sound technicians that have worked within variety theatres who sort of um, experience lots of these, like they, they do like a new sound setup each week or each night and have a different juggler and different musicians and different comedians on stage each night. They know about this kind of thing. They will ask you for it. Um, final thing is if you drop on your, on your final trick and you and your music runs out uh something that i haven't done very much but have started doing recently uh when i'm finishing my routine or one of my routines with a seven ball piece so i juggle seven balls and sometimes it's pretty solid and i can get it most of the time uh but i have something set up on the cd in case I drop, because normally I, if I dropped, the, it would just go blank and I would do it again, and then I'd finish the routine off with some club juggling, but I'm not doing that in one of my longer shows now. So uh, I have, a, 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 the routine ends, and I finish the, uh, the the seven ball juggling and finish the whole routine and stand there and bow to the music. The thing is, if I drop with the seven balls, it doesn't fit to the music anymore. So I've now edited the last ten seconds of the same track and put it one track later, or two tracks later, on the same CD and if I drop now with the seven balls I just go like this I make it like a slitting my throat gesture or, or some other cue to the sound technician and all he does is skip to the next track 
or skip two tracks forward where this sort of last 10 seconds of of my music is again if you understand what I'm saying. So this gives me enough time to sort of pick anything up and then start the seven balls again and finish the seven balls and I'm back to the same place in the music again. So I can I can just finish it and pick up my hat and finish the routine to the music again. Uh, if I drop the second time, he just repeats that last track. If I drop the third time, he just repeats that last bit of the track, that last ten seconds of the track again. Uh, thankfully, I've not actually had to use it yet. No, I did once in, when I was doing a technical run-through, but otherwise I know it works. And uh, I also know other artists who who doing this as well. There was uh, Françoise Rocher who uh, who performs with seven batons or seven clubs at the end of her no seven batons at the end of her routine. Uh, I've seen her mess up on stage. And the sound technician, which I think was her husband or boyfriend at the time, they just flicked to the next track and she finished perfectly to the music. Even though she had messed up once, she could still finish per- perfectly to the music. So that's the same kind of thing. Uh, or that's the kind of thing that you should be thinking about with sort of choosing your music and setting it up. While you're doing the technical setup to your show, you might not have a lot of time. So make it easy. Make it easy for the technician to know what's going on. So if I'm talking to the technician, uh, sometimes he can't hear me. So I always ask for a microphone when I'm doing the lighting and sound uh, check. Again, good theatres, they'll give you a microphone to do this. But if not, and they're sitting right at the back, ask for a microphone so you can hear them. And give them, ask them to use a microphone so you can hear them talk to you as well. Um, also, when I'm doing longer shows, I might need to change something spontaneously. That's often something that happens. You know, something goes wrong or something doesn't do this. So I always ask for the names of the sound technicians and the lighting technicians in the technical setup. So in my shows, I can just say, hey, Jimmy, please, can you do this? Or Warren. And they're, normally they're more than happy for you to communicate them over the microphone or actually when you're talking. If you're not talking on stage, it's not so important, but that's kind of thing. Um Sometimes, though, the te- technicians aren't that slick, and I'm looking at them and thinking, these guys are not going to get it right. And this is what happens time and time again. So what I do is write out instructions for the sound technicians in advance. I've actually got a file uh, on my computer, and I can print it out, and it shows, and it tells the lighting technician, at this point, do this. this at this queue, do this. And it really cuts down on all the technical times, because you, you, don't, you don't need to tell them what to do and then write it down and then practice it. Literally, you just give them it, and they can pretty much... We can, I can go through the technical setup like a 45 minute technical setup for my longer show now in no time at all it doesn't take any time at all because all the cues are written down and make sure that it's it's you printed out a number of copies so you can give them to the different technicians because they will scribble on them and want to keep them and then you can't use them again so always have some spares with this because uh, they'll scribble it all over it in their in their own code language and their own cues on it too um so the, the kind of things that I list as well I don't just write what track it is and what the cue is I write write some notes next to it as well like for the art of juggling, we I actually say there's four pieces of music on one CD track. Do not fade out until we both bow at the end. And on other pieces, I say leave my microphone on during this music uh, and ju- on during this video piece because I like to talk to the audience um, if I drop or when I talk through the the uh, routine. So uh, literally, give the technicians, you know, everything that you need. Give the technicians uh, as much. Uh, kind of uh, information as you possibly can, and write it down for them in advance, and they'll they'll love you for it because you know not a lot of artists do this kind of thing. I've been on stage and the CD stop stop. Start, start, start skipping and cutting and things like that. So I always have two copies of music on CD. 
Um, and also, I have a backup of the the music as well on a USB hard drive, or an MP3 player, or on a laptop as well. Uh, because I've been to these uh, like these gigs, and the CD player didn't work, or some format was wrong, or something like that. And having the files, the raw files there, or MP3 files, is very very handy because you can play it from a laptop or. Um, play it from a, uh, uh, you know, just burn a new CD and play it from a CD, or they can record it onto. Uh, this is actually what they've done before with a video thing. They record it onto their own video recording device and played it back out as well. Um, and if you uh, if you always have a spare CD as well, give them both to the technicians and you say if there is a problem with the CD. Always have the second CD in advance in the second CD player, so you can just change it up at any time. Literally, you can just hit play on a on the on the other side. Um, and I always say, if you've only got one CD player, as soon as there's a problem with the CD, leave it until the end of the routine and see if we can get to the end of the routine. But as soon as it's happened, put the spare CD in, put the backup CD in, because it could be a scratch on it or it could be some other um, issue. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is that sometimes the sound technician, you know, the sound setup isn't that fantastic. And a few times it's it's been set up. So I have a, a, a stereo CD, a stereo music track, um, but only the left channel or the right channel comes out. And this is a real problem. So now what I do is mix all of my music down to a mono. So all of my music is in mono. So if there's a faulty wire or some XLR cable has got a, a wire crossed in it or something like that, and it's happened a few times, um, you know, I always get the full music, even if it's half as loud or something like that. The other good thing about using a mono mix is that in a large theatre, there's one track coming out the left and one track coming out the right. And if people are sitting on the left, they only hear the left. Sitting on the right, they often only hear right. So if you have it in mono, everyone in the audience hears the same thing. And you on stage, you hear always the same as what the audience is getting too. Because uh, again, I found that with the music that we had the art of juggling going to, it go and there's this whole rhythm piece in the middle. And part of the drums were on the left and part of the drums were on the right. And sometimes they faded from one side to the other. And I really noticed once um, when I was listening to it that, of course, left wasn't there at all. And at one point, the music almost completely cut out. So do a mono mix of your music. Another thing that's happened is that they press play and the sound levels are all over the place. And it's been my fault because I've made different recordings or used a CD and the sound levels are the different tracks. So if possible, get a, get a free sound um, editing software and get like Audacity and just open the tracks and just, you know, there's this thing in Audacity called uh, normalize and just normalize all the tracks and just get them all up or amplify them all up to, uh, so the peak is always at zero is, is what you do. So that means when you play them back, they'll all be roughly about the same kind of thing and again think about the different levels with the sound levels as well because um, I have these headphones and I listen to stuff in the headphones and they're very small headphones and you don't hear the bass very much but then I've been in a in a show and they turn it up and the bass is so loud and some technicians won't be able to sort that out or they won't know to sort that out and your next piece of music comes in and suddenly it's like blows people's brains out and their rib cages are vibrating because the bass is just so low Okay, more problems with CDs because this happens all the time. Um, I'll lump some of these together. So uh, a technician put the CD in and play, and it plays automatically um, when he puts it in and it plays at the wrong time. Another problem that can happen is that the CD keeps playing at the end of the track and it doesn't stop automatically and the sound technician doesn't press pause quick enough and the next track plays 
and you don't want it to play. And the problem is that the CD reaches the end of the CD at the last, last track, and, it, and the CD player turns itself off, or it resets the CD. Uh, and, and then, you know, when the, the technician presses play again, it plays the first track again rather than the last track and things like that. And also there's a, a big problem where you, you, the technician, he just plays the wrong track. It just hits it completely, utterly wrong. He, he presses forward, 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 forward. He's aiming for track 12, and he accidentally hits track 13, presses play, and the wrong piece of music gets... Uh, played. So there's four big problems here, and I actually solve all these problems. Um, again, I've never seen anyone else who does it this way, but this is what I've learned through lots and lots of bad things going wrong on stage. So what I do, if I've got multiple pieces of music um, on one CD, I always have the track number one as silence, and then my first piece of music is track two, and then between track two and track four, I have track three is silence, and then my second piece of music is on track four, and then a track of silence, about 20 seconds of silence, and then track six is music again, and then track seven is silence, and, and, I, and then I end the uh, CD with a track of silence. And again, let's go through these problems and see how this sorts it out. First of all, the technician puts in the CD and it plays automatically. The first track is silence, and there is no uh, music played at the wrong time. By that time, the, um, the uh, sound technician will see it's being played automatically. He'll press pause and cue up the right track. So, uh, like, nothing playing is better than the wrong thing playing at that point. The so, next problem is, once the track is over, the, it automatically plays the next track before the sound technician can press the pause button. By putting in 20 seconds of silence on the next track, it gives the sound technician 20 seconds to work out what he needs to do, and you don't get, you know, the, the next track playing in at the wrong time. Again, silence is better than the wrong track playing. At the end of the last piece of music, the CD player doesn't reset itself and turn itself off. It gives the sound technician 20 seconds, or a minute, or five minutes, or however long you want a bit of silence at the end there to give the sound technician time to sort it out um, because you don't want the CD player to be in control of your act you want you to be in control and the sound technician to be in control of the music finally if the sound technician he goes ah oh, I want to get to track 12 and he goes forward 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 accidentally press forwards one more time and gets track 13 he presses play and silence comes out so you uh, you know that uh, uh, nothing's going to play if he gets it off by one track if he presses forward once or once less you know once too much or once less you get nothing rather than something and this is always better you know there's a chances are that you'll still get the wrong track but um, not just by pressing forward or back too many times which has happened to me many times in the past of course you need to tell the sound technician that this is it you need to say track one three, five, no, seven, and whatever onwards is silence. Uh, otherwise, they just, they'll just they press play and they'll think the CD player is broken because nothing's coming out, so you need to tell them that. Okay, that should sort that out, but there are still there are still things that can go wrong with music. For, the thing is that sometimes the sound technician doesn't get the cue right, and he plays the, or he or she, plays the music at the wrong time. Now you need to know what happens if the sound technician plays at the wrong time. For example, you're off stage. Do you want the music to start when you get on stage and stand in the right position and then press play? Uh, or do you want to play and then you go on stage? So play and then go on stage. The thing is, the, the chances are the sound technician will get it wrong. So if you get on stage and the music is playing already, you need to know how to fit in with the music or how to fit in with the choreography to get to the point in the act where you've caught up again. Because 
at the time that you would normally walk on stage that you're now having to do when the music plays rather than when there's no music. So be ready for that. Think about it now in your head, in my act, what happens. And the other thing is that you're waiting backstage and the sound technician isn't pressing play. They're not pressing play. They're not pressing play. Now, it could be that the CD player's broken or, you know, they, they're not quite sure what's happening or he hasn't turned it up or something like that. But the chances are that he's waiting for you to get on stage. So you need to think, what do I do? Shall I go on stage and then he'll press play? Uh, and then I'll, you know, vamp a bit. I'll do something else until I catch up or until the music catches up with me again. You've got to think about this. Have something in mind. Also, with your music, have different versions of the music ready to go. I have a low singing version of my music, which is a little bit shorter because I don't do some of the larger tricks. And also have spare music, as I said uh before you know have it on a on a on a spare cd or on a on a mp3 player or just get yourself i mean they cost nothing these days get yourself a usb hard drive a gig hub drive you can fit as much music on that as you want and and spare music as well um you know if you if you've got some music and you suddenly need to do a different show or you need a piece of music to play as you come in or the show needs a piece of music at the end to play when everyone's coming in and bowing again you know you've just got spare music there and sound technicians will love you for it um a final thing is that uh, technicians can put the wrong CD in. So get when you get a CD, burn it off as a blank CD, on a blank CD, and then write in per permanent marker on the CD. Don't just give them a blank CD in a case and having your name on the case because they'll open it up as a blank CD. They'll take it out of the case. They'll get it mixed up with other people's blank CDs. Another thing to avoid is stickers stuck or post-it notes stuck onto the CD because when you rip off a, a post-it note the glue sometimes sticks to the silver backing or the silver front of the CD and it rips off the CD is then useless so uh, just avoid that just get a, a permanent marker a, a CD marker is is all you need for that to avoid all the confusion that uh, I think that's about it really now with confusion with sound and the sound technician lighting this is an interesting one as well of course, write out all the instructions for the lighting technician in advance um, and do it, again, on a separate piece of paper than the sound uh, technician's instructions as well because there'll be different parts of the theatre. They might be sitting next to each other, but they, they want all their own notes. Keep things simple with lights because the chances are you won't have 20 minutes to do your lighting setup because I've been to so many places and I have around about five minutes to get all the, the lighting right. So the way I do things is I say, okay, turn on all of the lights. And that's what I say to the technician. I say, turn all the lights. And he turns them all on. And then I point to this one. I say, this one's in my eyes. Take that one out. That one's in my eyes. Take that one out. This one, stop it flashing. And that one, take that one out. And then I'm left with a lighting setup that I know looks good um, and I know is, is something I can perform to. Again, this comes with experience. You perform in lots of different places with really bad light and you perform in places with really good light and you, you work out quite quickly what you can juggle to and what you can't juggle to. But really, it's up to you to work out how to juggle with light in your eyes because the audience wants to see you and it's the audience, you're there for the audience as well. So make it so you can juggle with lights in your eyes rather than that the audience can't see you. I've seen so many acts and they want it all moody and dark and then they do something and you just can't see, what see what's going on at all. So make it so the audience can see you. Because if you want it moody and dark, that's great, but make it so you can, you can make it moody and dark with the sound technician, oh sorry, the lighting technician in around about a minute and a half um, because, you know, you just won't have a lot of time. The lighting will probably be really crap at juggling conventions because that's what they have at juggling conventions. They have crap lighting. So again, learn to work in bad lighting. Learn to work where you can't see your props because you'll throw it and it'll just go into a big dark space above you. This is what threw me out time and time again when I was doing sort of high throws with clubs. I'd throw them up and then they'd just disappear into blackness. 
the thing is, again, it's up to you to develop a routine. It's up to you to develop a, a stage performance kind of skills. So it doesn't matter what lighting you've got. You could juggle with the sun in your eyes, and it's up to you. Don't let bad lighting be an excuse for a bad performance. I did a workshop with Victor Key. He got us all to stand around the edge of the room with the light shining in our eyes. Of course, he didn't do it too long, but he really drove it home that this is the kind of things you will be performing in, and this is the kind of setup that you have to have to work with to be a professional performer so uh, keep that in mind don't use a follow spot during juggling again it's so many times when they put on a follow spot and they're shining on me and I move and it left behind and then the lights you know the light me and the top of my props will be going out of the follow spot and they'll be flashing through so generally I just say don't use a follow spot because there's just so much that can go wrong it's not just on and off it's on off swinging around big small this way that way up down you know different colors all the same time just cut it out don't even bother it another thing which happens time and time again like literally almost every second time i go on stage we get a great lighting setup um in the uh, in the in the technical setup it's looking fantastic i get on stage i'm in front of the audience and the lighting is pretty much completely different to when i get on stage now this could just be down to the technical setup like the actual uh, the the lighting technician not doing a good job it's also a lot of times down to the actual environment when you do the sound setup and this lighting setup they'll leave the house lights on or uh, they'll leave the curtains of the windows in the theater open and light comes through so you can see a lot more or a lot less on stage and uh, during the technical setup you know or when you're actually on stage there'll always be this mismatch so when you're doing your lighting setup ask for them to turn off the house lights ask for them to get the theater uh, or the venue as close to the actual performing time slot as you will because the sun will be up at one point and then the sun will be going down it'll be shining through the back doors of the theater right into your eyes um that kind of thing has happened to me before so try and get the lighting setup the same in both the technical run through and in the performance that's lighting and sound. Let's move on to the technical setup of actually stuff on stage, putting things on stage. Because lots of jugglers, they have a prop case or they'll have things set out on the stage here. Again, the key to it is the simpler better. Keep it simple, stupid. Because I've been to lots of places and the, and the stagehand the technicians backstage they don't understand English at all and I'm saying no will you put it there and face it this way and that way and this way so and of course they just don't want that at all so again write it out in advance make a map of the stage and uh, you can put it there and there's you know literally I, I just draw it out here for this part put this here and I actually draw the stage and put down the ball will go here 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 a club here and another ball there and some rings here and you just actually can write it out another thing is that technicians they're a bit clumsy or they're often a bit clumsy I I've, I've, have a prop stand and they carry it on stage and they do knock things off the prop stand or they open it or they put it the wrong way and then they come back without noticing so then you send them back on and say no pick the prop up there, pick that ball up and put it back on and pick that club up and put it back on the on the stand there because uh, they just won't notice that something's fallen off and when I go up on stage and the props are lying there, it's me that looks like an idiot, not the not the technician. Um, so either build a prop stand where it can't happen, often now I use just a box and everything's in the box and I open the lid up and it's there uh, and nothing else needs setting up or explain in advance to the technician that it's their responsibility to get everything set up right on stage before they leave the stage and I say put the, the case out and make sure there's no clubs that have fallen off the front of the prop stand and 
another thing is to keep simple. Uh, you often think, okay, there's this this juggler, and they want a ring put on stage here, and a ball there, and a club here, and there's different places on stage. The technician will put the balls where the clubs are meant to go. They will put the clubs where the rings are meant to go, and they will put not enough rings here and not three rings there and everything like that. So again, keep it simple, and if it's if it's possible, just say put all the stuff at this point on stage, and then you know where it is because. If it's anything slightly complicated, they will get it wrong. So make it up to you to find the props. So if they're all in the same place in the same piles and just there, you can just pick them up because uh, uh, you know it's, it's just keep it simple. Really, that's all I can say. The balls will roll away if the ball is put down. Lots of stages have what's known as a rake, which it means it slopes towards the front of the stage. The balls will roll off. So have a small stand. You just need sort of like a, a bottle top um, or a little ring or something like that. Uh, and get the get the technician to place them there, and they won't roll away. Clubs will roll as well, so get yeah, get used to that if you put a club on it. Um, and clubs stood on the end, they will fall over. Okay, it might look really good. Clubs standing on the end look fantastic on stage, but they will roll over and they will fall over and they will get knocked over by accident. I've seen this happen time and time again. The technician comes out and they stand the club up and they walk off and it falls over. They walk back and they stand it up again and then they try a bit more and they try a bit more and they try a bit more. It's pretty much not worth it um, unless you've got a really cool act. I know Get the Shoe do that, but it really works well in their act. But so many times I see the technician stand ages and ages setting up, setting up, setting up, setting up. Then the artist comes out on stage and it might as well have just been lying on the floor. The only reason it was standing up was because it looked good and it didn't add anything to the act at all. Another thing, diabolos. You know, you uh, give them to the technician, they walk over, and by the time you pick them up in your act, they're wrapped up and they're, you know, wrapped around different diabolos and they're tangled up and things like that. So give them to the uh, set technician and, you know, sort of make sure that they understand not to wrap the string around any diabolos um, or anything like that when they put them down. Because they will, because they'll think they're doing a good job, but tell them not to do that. Finally, thing, the final thing that you can get technicians to do is get you to throw props while you're on stage. The, the chances of things going wrong here gets really, really, really high. They'll throw you something too high or too low, um, and they'll throw it to you at the wrong time and uh, with too much spin, or they'll throw it to the wrong person in the team and all that kind of stuff. Um, like I say, it's almost painful to think about it. Just think of this, though. Francis Brunn, he worked with his sister years, you know, literally years, and to get it that slick, and he, he got a new... Um, a new assistant at one point to throw him stuff when he was on stage and I think I read something that they that worked together for three months before they performed together for her to get everything exactly how he wants okay three months working with his assistant don't expect a random stage technician or a random volunteer to get it right after like a two minute practice or the one technical run through the chances are they will get it wrong so you know to solve this, I guess, have stuff on stage with you. You be in control of it. Or have someone that you've practiced with them lots of times and get them beside you on stage to throw you stuff. Because, you know, all of these problems, most of the stuff that I've talked about so far, there is a solution to them. The thing is, it's how confident are you that things will go right? I am never confident that things will go right. Again, it's what I rely on. I rely on looking at all these problems and finding these problems and having all these problems because I know things will not go right. And another question to ask is, how much do you want to rely on others and not yourself? And my answer to that is, I don't want to rely on anybody else except myself because I know I can't rely on them unless... Well, so I can't rely on them. Generally, I try to rely on other people as little as possible. I design things in the routine. I design things with the technical aspect not to go wrong or not to rely on other people. Again, it's that whole Murphy's Law. There's two ways to do something. Some it will go wrong when you do it one way. People will choose that way. Make sure that there isn't uh, a possibility.
Uh, just a few more things here. First of all, costume. When you get your costume, it's got to look good, of course, but also you've got to be able to juggle in it. And I've had lots of problems um, with costumes. I actually wrote down quite a few of these. Uh, first of all, um, I had coattails on a jacket, and it messed up my back crosses. I've had sleeves that were too long, and they got in the way of making good catches. I've been too hot because I performed outside in a costume which has too many layers, and I was sweating too much, and my hands were all clammy, and, and I couldn't do anything. And also, I wore a hat, and my hat uh, made my head sweat, and then the sweat was dripping down my nose and the uh, then I put a club on my nose and it slipped off and the sweat was dripping in my eyes and then my costume one costume I made and I was really impressed with it and it was uh, this material and I used it once and because I sweated in it it smelt so badly it was just this plasticky material and it smelt so badly I just had to throw it out I washed it and it didn't work anything at all your shoes will be too slippy or they will be too sticky to use on the stage your laces will come untied um, another thing that's happened is that you, you have a pocket in one place and you're going to juggle and you accidentally put your hand in your pocket or snag it or catch something catches in your pocket um diablo strings get caught on buttons and another trick that i do with diablo string it goes around my neck and it pulled off my bow tie that's happened a few times my shirt comes untucked as well and it looks a bit crap buttons i've ripped buttons off uh, of my jacket and then my coat on my jacket itself has been has been swinging around because it's too open and um, my belt has been digging into me when i've been bending down to pick up props and i once i had a I left a, a pen in my pocket and i bent down and almost stabbed myself in the gut because i had a pen in my pocket not something to do um your costumes I've once performed on stage and I had to perform in this light shirt and it was too cold outside so I was too cold for that um, I've ripped my trousers between the legs I've uh, spilt drink down my shirt just before going on stage and I've actually lost my shirt I turned up once and I didn't have my shirt ready to go on stage so all of these problems could have been sorted out if I'd practiced through or a lot of them could have been sorted out if I practiced beforehand if you change any one thing about your costume practice all the way through your routine with all of the juggling to the music to the lighting if possible to make sure it's going to work for example i had a new shirt and the and the sleeves were too long and it made it so I couldn't uh, I couldn't catch. Later on, I did the same gig again. It was actually the next time I performed with that costume, and I thought, ah, I need to shorten the arms. So I took some pins and I shortened the arms. The thing is that I uh, I uh, took the, one of the pins off the back of my jacket, which was holding, as I said before, coattails. It was holding the coattails down, so I didn't catch you know them when I was doing back crosses with the with my coat and behind the back catches with my while wearing this jacket. And by taking one of the pins out to my shirt, it created a nice sort of pocket-shaped thing. So I do this behind the back catch, and I put my hand behind my back, and it went straight into this little pocket-shaped thing in the back of the coattails of my uh, of my jacket. And of course, it's like trying to catch a club with your hand in your pocket, and it all went bad. And um, on these two shows, we only made I only made two drops in the two shows, um, and all of the drops or both drops in both shows was put straight down to uh, uh, me changing my costume at the last minute and not checking it. So think about all of these things because, you know, you'll need to think about them um, and uh, find a costume which has got as few flaps sticking out as possible to catch. And, and also, like I say, spilling drink down a shirt, just try and find something, you know, if it's if it needs replacing, find something you can replace more easy than a, a specially designed exact you know exactly cut fit just for you perfectly kind of costume uh, and if you do get someone to make you a special custom made costume make them or ask them to make two sets normally you only need one set of trousers or bottom part but if you're using a shirt you'll probably need two because they need washing more often than trousers because they get a bit more sweaty when you're on stage i know it's a bit disgusting but you've got to think about this kind of thing um warming up lots of people need to warm up before their act 
chances are you won't be able to because you know your juggling props will all be on stage or the technicians will need to keep hold of them or there just won't be space or time or anything backstage so if you're putting together an act try and make the start of your act something that will get you warmed up for the second part you know there's uh, in in my acts that I do I start off with a Diablo routine I can do my Diablo routine with no mistakes at all no uh, with no effort uh, at all and by the end of it I'm really warmed up so then when I move on to the three ball routine which is much harder or the club juggling piece or the art of juggling piece that I do after the Diablo it uh, it you know it's, it's warmed up by the time I'm on stage because you know I, I, it's it's very very rare that I ever get a chance to warm up anything backstage Um and again, like I say, don't put the first thing on your in your act as something you can't do cold. Make it something that you can do cold. I've seen this great video um, of uh, Yoni Temenin who who jumps out of this, I think it's this cake, or he jumps out of this box and he just tries to do eight rings. He literally jumps out of the box. He's been squatting in a box for ages and tries to do eight rings straight away and of course he fails spectacularly. So don't put something like that at the very, very start of your show. Finally, just want to finish up this workshop. Uh, I've got like a, just a, a, a few minutes left, I guess, uh, and that is about dropping, you know, because you will drop. Sod's Law, if something can go wrong, it will. You'll drop on the easiest trick and get the hardest one right first time. So if you uh, if you dropped, um, uh, try the trick again if you want to, um, but don't try more than twice. You know, certainly not more than three times. If you drop three times on the same trick already, first of all, it shouldn't be in the act if it takes you three times to do it. But otherwise, move on, um, unless it's your final trick, and then you've really got to do it. And again, I told you about how you can fit it to the music or or what you need to do. Um, so just move on when you drop. If you drop everything on stage, I mean, you've you've dropped lots of stuff um, on stage, learn how to pick up in an interesting way. Kick-ups with clubs and balls is really, really great, especially if you've got a slower routine and you've got a bit more time to pick up, kick-ups work really well. Again, Victor Key in his Aesthetics of Juggling workshop, he always says, don't bend down to pick up. Or if you do bend down, think of it a graceful way or a quick way to bend down. Don't turn around uh, and show your ass to the audience as you bend over forwards or backwards to uh, pick up pick up your props on the floor. Uh, third, bouncing balls. Now I've done bounce routines in my time and they're hell. When you drop, literally they go everywhere. So first thing that you can do is have plenty of spare balls. So you can drop every ball in your act. You can drop 10 times and you've got 10 spare balls. So you can keep picking up more and more balls and never run out. The thing is with silicons, these can get quite expensive. So have someone, oh this is what I've done when I've been performing on stage with bouncing balls, I have someone standing at one side of the stage and someone standing at the other side of the stage and then two people at the front, off the front of the stage uh, and one person maybe at the back of the stage who can run on and get something from the back of the stage and what I do is tell them this catch the ball, but don't throw it back to me, you know, because the stray balls will go there. Um, tell them to hold on to the balls, because what will happen often, someone in the front row will grab a ball and they'll throw it back to you on stage and you've already picked up your next ball and then you'll have too many balls and it'll run past you and you've already started juggling. And this has happened to me a few times, actually. I've actually started juggling on stage. Someone's thrown me the ball back to me and it's hit my pattern and there's been more drops again. So tell these people that you put on the sides of the stage, you'll need four or five people for this, tell them don't throw the ball back straight away. Tell them when you want to throw it back, nod to them and they'll roll it back to you uh, and tell them not to try and do any clever throw back onto the stage again because that's what they get. You find a bouncy ball, they say, oh, I'll bounce it back. And they bounce it on the stage, it goes over your head. Just tell them to roll it across the front of the stage and you can pick it up or tell them just to do a simple throw with a simple bounce back to you again. Um, again, 
another thing about any any kind of prop you're on a stage your clubs will fall off the front of the stage if you remember Wes Peden's story about performing on the back of a trailer at a scouting event um, clubs fall off they've got to run down to the end of the trailer back on past the fires and in the wind pick up the thing and get back on stage again it's the worst thing ever that'll ever happen to you is having to jump off the front of the stage to pick up a club or to pick up a ball so don't do it have someone off the front of the stage who knows just to be there pick it up and uh, you'll find a volunteer to do that it really really won't be that bad a best thing to do is to have spare props that's what I always do now so if my club goes off the front of the stage I can get a new one I do one Diablo in the show I have two Diablos one of them just ready to go if one of them goes off the front of the stage which often happens because I do have a, an intentional drop near the end of my Diablo routine um, another thing that can happen is Diablos get tangles this is what we talked about you know these best and worst shows you know this story if you, if you listen back a few podcasts ago so have spare hand sticks and have spare Diablos um, and also you can choreograph it to avoid big tangles you know so avoid tricks with lots of knots in them um, and also what I do is I put fresh string on my Diablo hand sticks each time I perform because there's no grease and there's no moisture and it won't get tangled or it won't snag up half as much as with dirty older damp string and finally I use spin Abelo Diablos which really snag like very very little uh, uh, and you know when I use the finesse or Henry's Di- Diablos when I uh, perform with them you know I often get more tangles but the uh, the spin Abelo because it's got a bearing hub can keep going literally at the start of my routine i can get the diablo spinning quickly and i can do the rest of my diablo routine without speeding the diablo up again if something goes wrong you panic don't panic you know be prepared the best way to do it is literally when you run through your routine every time you drop in practice think okay i'm in front of an audience what do i do at this point this is especially problematic or especially important let me say that if you're performing with someone else apollo and i we know every single point in our and our art of juggling routine if something goes wrong we both know exactly what to do and we both know exactly where to go it's taken a while to do that lots of drops to be able to do that but we have it now if we drop in the in the walk round section we go back to the very start of the sort of takeout walk round section if we drop here we do that if we drop in the in the in the five club takeouts i go into four clubs polar picks up a spare club and throws it back in and it's very very rarely we ever panic or we ever get anything wrong um with picking up and with continuing the routine again um and finally if you do drop the chances are the next time you drop in the routine or the only other time that you drop in the routine will be about one trick later so when you pick up clear your head stop think okay i'm starting again i'm doing this trick again don't think oh i've just dropped oh i've just dropped oh i've just dropped i've got to catch up i've got to do this i've got to do that stop relax because if you don't you will drop straight away and i've seen it so many times someone drops once and they just drop again straight away they've gone like seven minutes in an act without dropping and after their first drop they drop another two times in a row so um that's all of the different points one thing to wrap up with is that if you're performing for the first time and you've been paying attention during this workshop during this podcast um think about it you know if you go through like i say think about all the points you don't have to act on all of the points but think about it other things will go wrong though things that i've not talked about here because so many other things have gone wrong for me on stage but it doesn't really fit in this uh, podcast in this workshop as as well as i'd liked uh one thing that went wrong is that the audience applauded too loud and i couldn't hear the music and i missed my next cue you know it's a good thing that the audience is applauding loud but it was a bad thing in the same way and there was no way i could have predicted that but now you know it for next time the best thing to do is have a good attitude the worst thing to say is i did the best i could and the sound technician messed up and I did the best I could but the lighting was bad so I couldn't get it right or I did the best I could I did my job just right but everything went bad because again it, it 
it doesn't matter what your plan was. If the show didn't work, if the show stank, if your act went really badly, that's your responsibility. It might not have been your fault, but it is your responsibility. So if the sound technician messes up, um, but, but you did your thing right, it doesn't make the show good. It still makes it a bad show. So do everything that you can to let the sound technician do a good job and the host to do a good job. Uh, again, this is something that's happened to me lots of times. I'm, I'm doing a trick and, I, and the host thinks I've finished the trick and they walk on halfway through and they think you're finished. And again, have a good attitude. You know, it, it's no good for you to go. Oh, you're doing it wrong. Oh, let me finish here and stuff like that. Again, you've got to you've got to take control. Maybe hand your hold hold your hand up and say, "Don't, I've not finished yet." Or sort of shake your head to them. Or, but communicate as best you possibly can. The best thing to do is tell the uh, is tell the host what is the last thing in your act, and a good host will probably ask you that, or at least ask you how long your act lasts. But maybe the best thing at that point to do is just go with the flow, because the uh, you know, because the host is finishing your act and maybe the audience has had a good reaction first. It's come to a natural end. Just bow and not do your final big finale trick. Um, allow the mistake to happen for the good of the show. Maybe. I think that's pretty much how I'd wrap this up, actually, is make other people look good. You know, let, let, them, let them upstage you in a way, you know, because the host might want to introduce one way and you're not happy with it, but they might have been doing their job for years. You know, a lot of these hosts in variety theatres, they introduce people on stage all the time. And the first time I was introduced by these one people, I was just like, oh man, that was a really bad introduction. But I realised that they were working the audience in the perfect way. And when I went out on stage, I got a better reaction just walking out on stage than I would have done if they'd have just said the introduction that I wanted. So uh, uh, that's about it. And just remember that performing is a service or a, or a product you know, and you're doing a job for a customer, and the audience is a customer. Again, probably it's the person booking you and paying your paying your fee who is your real customer. And to be invited back again um, isn't just doing a good job, and it's not just getting a good reaction from the audience. To be invited back to do the same gig again is being professional. It's taking copies of all your documents with you. It's uh, taking along your contract and and having your contact details ready to go, and having lots of different bits and pieces. And if anyone asks you a question have the answer in your head already there you know ask yourself more questions than anybody else at the gig could ever ask you and if they do ask you a question and you don't know it you know just be willing to say wait a second i don't know the answer let me get back to you with that in in 2 minutes time don't just come up with crap because people will be able to tell if you're if you're talking rubbish um and finally the best way to avoid problems in your next gig is just to is just to be like I say professional and be willing to help out in any way possible you know say ah oh, i can do some extra material here i can do an extra show here and help out as much as possible like i say Paul and i when we go to street show festivals um we get we've got a real good reputation of with all the organizers so far of just being willing to do stuff and willing to help out and being really easy they say what do you need and we say nothing we've got it all sorted already and they love us for it and we get invited back just for those kind of things we see other people moaning and oh i didn't have water here and there's no sound here and this set was wrong and there was no light here and i can do that there and they don't get invited back the next year so just think about all that kind of stuff being ready for the technical side of your show not only helps you when you're on stage but it helps you return and do the gig again that really is everything now. I keep on saying our final thing, but I think that is actually all I have to say here. So if you've got any more questions, next thing you can do, I'll be doing this workshop at the... I'll be going through these notes again. I'm going to be doing this kind of thing at the British Juggling Convention. Uh, Also, for people taking part in the British Young Juggler of the Year show, I'm going to be doing more workshops with them about choreography and and last-minute kind of things that they can change and make the show better as well. Um, So at the BJC or at uh, the Berlin Juggling Convention and at the EJC, I'll be doing this same kind of workshop again about 
mistakes that I've had and mistakes that Polo and I have had, and maybe I'll invite some other performers as well to share their bad stories and how they avoid these uh, bad things happening on stage again in the future. So that's about it. See you at the uh, this year's conventions. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Keep emailing me. Ask me questions by email as well. I'll uh, either reply to them on the show, or the best thing is I'm, I'm just replying to more emails now because the show schedule isn't that great. The next show that I'll be doing is probably going to be something about the British Juggling Convention because uh, I'm going to be there. I might record some of the workshops that I host there. I'll certainly be doing a report and I'm definitely going to be getting a lot of interviews with some of the great performers at the British Juggling Convention in this coming week. So apart from that, uh, see you in the future. Have a lot of fun. Goodbye. Goodbye.